Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Rob Elder, who's the Chief Revenue Officer at Genius. Genius is the world's biggest encyclopedia of music. From its foundation and lyrics, Genius has grown to become a leading brand in music, producing popular video series like Verified, Deconstructed, Genius News, and Open Mic, and hosting live conversations with the likes of Nicki Minaj, The Dream, and Mariah Carey. Genius reaches over 100 million people monthly across the globe and has nearly 7 million YouTube subscribers. It continues to power successful behind-the-lyrics integration on Spotify and drives a major lyrics integration on Apple Music. Top artists like Chance the Rapper, Cardi B, and Lin-Manuel Miranda use Genius to share the stories behind their songs with the world. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rob Elder. Well, Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell listeners and, and myself a little bit about, about, about your background and your career and, and how you became, I guess, your path to chief revenue officer at Genius. Sure. I, like a lot of people in the business, I actually started out on the agency side. My first job was as a system media planner at Gray Direct, which sort of became Mediacom in, in some iteration down the road. And I worked... I worked there in the mid-90s and then spent a couple of years at uh, Ogilvy One and then eventually got into the sales side of the equation. I guess it was about 1999, 2000 with Sony Online Entertainment. Were there any pivotal twists or, or mentors? The interesting thing about the internet back in those times was, was what I was going to add, was that most of the, the digital teams or the first uh, iterations of internet teams actually started in the direct response side of ad agencies. And that's where I sort of 
grew out of my career was with Gray Direct and with Ogilvy and both very direct marketing arms of larger media companies. But to your question that you were asking me about uh, mentors and people who helped me along the way, there are two that really come to mind. The first one was uh, a gentleman by the name of Howard Lulchuk. He was the head of uh, Ogilvy One's media department when I was there. Howard has since passed on, but he was uh, sort of the consummate gentleman. He always had this calm and, and confidence when uh, we were facing crisis or panic or a client was screaming at us for one reason or another. I do my best to sort of channel him when stuff is hitting the fan in my life, but his calmness in the face of, uh, of a storm was always sort of inspirational to me. And the other one was, um, was Susan Schiekoffer, who still... Um, you know, was uh, the head of media for Group M now. She was also working at Ogilvy at the time and was more of a, a direct boss for me. She always has, she has a way of balancing her personal care and care for her employees with a professionalism of the standard that she required from all of us. And uh, I still consider her a mentor and a friend to this day. From a sales perspective, I worked for my first sales manager was a man uh, named James Smith who was the head of the Sony uh, online entertainment team. He spent years at, uh, at AOL, was actually the CRO of Huffington Post for a period of time. He really taught me what it means to be a seller, about keeping, you know, holding yourself accountable and, and structuring um, your business in a, in a very definitive way. And I've been, well, I've never worked for him. I've been really lucky to have developed a friendship with Peter Naylor, the head of media for, the head of sales, excuse me, for Hulu. We've got to know each other through a charity that we're involved with uh, for the last 10 years. And um, he actually did something for me that uh, a couple of years ago when I left People Magazine, People.com rather, he and I sat down and we whiteboarded out my career and he helped me figure out what my next step was and where I should be looking towards. And he had no reason at all to do that, but just to be a, being a good guy in the, in the industry. And so knowing that you can be successful and still be a good, decent human being is something that I've learned from Peter Naylor. I love that. And whiteboarding your career with somebody that's been there, done that, if you will. That's a fantastic investment that he made in you. I look for, yeah, he really was. And I kind of, I look forward to that moment where I could pay that forward to somebody else as they sort of come to that inflection point in their career. You know, I had been the associate publisher for People. People was going through some, some changes, as we all know. And I found myself sort of all of a sudden trying to figure out what was next. And he was, he was incredible about it. So I'll always remember that. Well, Rob, I think I first came in contact with Genius on Spotify when lyrics started just streaming across my phone screen. I'm curious if you could describe what Genius provides in your own words to your various stakeholders that you're working with. Absolutely. I think the first and foremost is that Genius is, uh, is providing that knowledge behind the lyrics and the music. And that's, it is a bit of a cliche answer, but I'm old enough to remember picking up uh, CDs and cassettes and opening up the booklet and reading the liner notes while I listened to the song for the first time and really starting to learn that deeper meaning and message that the artist was trying to convey through their music. And that allowed as a fan, that allowed you to have that sort of more intimate relationship with the music that you loved. And I, a lot of us believe, and I'm not alone in this, is that that, that was lost with the digital revolution in music, right? You didn't get that same connection with your, your downloads. And that's what I believe Genius is bringing back is that deeper connection to the, to the lyrics and the message that an artist is trying to convey. And then from, a, from an artist standpoint, I think it's, it allows them to have that conduit of communication with their most ardent fans. And certainly 
a young artist who's trying to break through, it provides a level of legitimacy. When you get your lyrics annotated on Genius or you get yourself into a verified video. And so when you have those two legs of the stool, it's a natural progression for the brands to realize that Genius is at the forefront of culture. And if you want to speak to that, that young millennial or Gen Z consumer, music is that conduit that helps you deliver that message in a way that provides a level of legitimacy. And that legitimacy only comes through because we at Genius have spent a decade building and fostering relationships with the artist community, but also the fan community. And once you have that voice of legitimacy, you can be that delivery mechanism for brands. I do miss the liner notes, if you will, from the CDs or the cassettes <laughs> and the pictures in particular. Like, uh, I mean, the lyrics were great, but I never was one of those people that could memorize all the lyrics. But the pictures and seeing the bands or the whoever and, and just the stylistic aspects of it. So I think what you're doing is pretty cool, especially in a digital world to bring that to life in a new digital format. That's, that's fantastic. Well, you've been, you're coming up on two years, I think, at Genius. And I'm curious, what were you charged with when you came in? And what have you been working on over the last couple of years? Yeah. So I, I think really that the task for me when I joined was to bring structure and process. When I arrived at Genius a little less than two years ago, we had a handful of sellers, two on the West Coast, two on the East Coast, and a very small sort of sales support team here in New York. And the reality was that there was nobody sort of guiding them or providing a structure or a pathway to success for them. So what attracted me to Genius, though, was that so much of the heavy lifting from a brand perspective had already been done. Right? Genius had, had built its scale. We had a, a very fast-growing video footprint. We had experiential opportunities. We had this deep relationship with the artist. And so from a sales guy's perspective or a sales leadership perspective, there were so many elements that were already in place that it was really about coming in and executing that, that playbook, right? There's, there's a, a, a process and a way that you go about bringing a brand to market, introducing that brand to the market and, and allowing brands and advertisers to find ways to communicate with your audience. Since I've joined the company, we've, we've grown that very small nascent sales team, which was about seven or eight people to nearly 30 people today. We have 12 direct sellers, a support staff over 20, we have, and, and we've built out our ad ops team, account management and marketing, experiential branded content. And, and I would say the, the, biggest, the biggest opportunity and, and place that we found success was in developing those relationships with the existing partnerships, uh, the, the existing divisions with inside of, of Genius itself, making sure that the community, the, the, our, the fan community saw value in what we were doing, working closely with the artist relations team to, to show that we can help not only be um, a revenue source for the company, but we're also now rev turning into a revenue source for artists. They get paid and they work when they work with us and brands. And so that has helped uh, broaden the, di the dynamic of conversations we have with the artist community. I mean, you you know this, you're in the music industry, but music has a, a power, right? It, there's, there's some sort of magical component, I think, to music that depicts both who we are as cultures and subcultures of people that come together. How do you think about it and, and the power it has for brand partnerships in particular? I kind of look at it from the perspective that a lot of what, what brands are trying to do is they're trying to find ways to communicate, right? They're trying to find opportunities to teach the consumer something new about themselves or, or about a marketplace or, or, or what have you. And to be able to do that, you have to be able to be considered a voice that they'll listen to. And when you talk about that millennial generation or, 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 the, or the Gen Zs, these people have been inundated with marketing messages at a degree that I don't think other generations have. And so they're, I don't want to say they're cynical, but they're smart. 
they can sniff out the bad stuff pretty quickly. So you have to make sure that you're coming at them. And I've said it before, and I don't want to repeat myself, but you have to be coming at them with some level of legitimacy. And working with artists and, and musicians and using music as that, that pathway is a way for brands to find legitimacy. What I love about what we're doing now with Genius, as we've grown from, you know, we started out as Rap Genius and have now grown to encompass all genres of music, right? And we're seeing massive growth in our, in our Latin music vertical, in our K-pop music vertical, which is incredible to see that we're now starting to have this sort of global impact. Being able to establish ourselves as that sort of, uh, that uh, voice of authority within the music community that brings that legitimacy and that that seal of approval for brands to partner with us. And it allows us to sort of segmentize that audience so that you can find all music fans or we could focus on a particular genre or artist or theme that you're ultimately trying to reach if you're the a brand marketer. Got it. You know, how is Genius working with those both, I guess, both the artists and musician side, as well as like, how does that ultimately transform into some sort of brand partnership, if you will? So I guess we work with artists in a few different ways. The first and, and foremost is when we work with an artist to elevate their music, right? So the process is as an artist comes in, they set up their profile, they may put their lyrics up themselves. If they have a fan base, the fans may do that for them, and then they can come in and verify them. Once they start to reach a certain level of recognition, Brendan Fredericks, our, our chief content officer, and Rob Markman, the head of artist relations, they'll identify that artist, reach out to him or her and, and their management, get them into our studio and start producing content with them. That could be a verified, which is our probably our most iconic uh, video series to date, several other series that we might turn to them. And so we start from first and foremost, by making sure that we are putting the music first and the artist first. And then from there, we can find ways for brands to come into, um, into the conversation. A good example is we worked with uh, Jay Balvin last year. Jay Balvin was partnering with guests to launch a line of clothing. And so we actually, we worked with him to create a, a customized verified where he was talking about his music. It was all about his songs and, 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 and the meanings behind his lyrics. But of course, he was wearing his guest clothing and he made a point of unbeknownst, without a you know prompting from us, he decided to give a shout out to guests and the partnership that he had struck with them. And so when you, you can find those moments where you can still be providing value to the consumer as well as to the brand at the same time, that's really the sweet spot. One you just described is very organic, right? He likes the brand to begin with. and It just, it makes sense. Are there other ones that you could share? Some other examples maybe? Yeah. Uh Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Um, you know, we're actually sort of in the midst of doing a program right now with Acura. We're actually going to be doing our second event with them here at our headquarters in Brooklyn, I believe on Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday of this week, excuse me, Thursday of this week. But that one in particular was the first time we had really worked it to this degree with a luxury auto brand. As you can imagine, Acura is, is trying to identify, like a lot of brands, they're trying to re-identify themselves or rebrand themselves with that next generation that's that's coming into sort of adulthood. And they wanted to um, provide them with music, or I guess they want to provide um, them access to new artists and new music and be seen as the the brand that was providing that access. So we're doing four uh, shows across the country. First one was in LA about a month ago with Olivia O'Brien and Destiny Rogers. And uh, we shot the show. We produced content at the show. We we interviewed the artists talking about their careers inside of the uh, the Acura cars. We're doing the same thing in New York, and we're going to do two more in 2020, tentatively for Miami and Atlanta. And that is um, sort of was a unique program for us in the sense that we're, we're bringing young up and coming artists, an established brand, experiential opportunity, video production and, and, and content, and then as well as using social as, uh, as a major driver of that content distribution. I mean, that's an amazing, amazing feat. You're almost like a content promoter, a <laughs> experiential agency, social and, and digital content creator, all all wrapped into one with like the brand relationship. I mean, music relationships that brands might be looking for. Yeah, there's probably a few more gray hairs on the top of my head after we've executed that one. But uh, I'm sure like everything that was really hard in my life, I'll look back on it fondly uh, once it's executed and it's in the rear view mirror. But uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. They're a great partner and uh, it's been a really fun. And as a smaller up and coming, I don't want to say startup because we've been around for a while, but as a as a brand on the rise, getting those opportunities to work with a partner like Acura to um, is just such a, a stamp of, of approval and legitimacy. And it really just helps elevate the conversation. And that has that has helped change the dynamic when we're talking with the other automotives in the verticals. We found success with with uh, other brands like uh, some of the entertainment verticals like Showtime and HBO. And we did a really cool program with McDonald's this year as well. So we're finding a lot of a lot of success and, and having a lot of fun doing it. Where is Genius going with content and partnerships? What does the future look like for you guys? Whew. I think there's a couple of things that we're trying to do, right? I think first and foremost, if I could just back up for one second and say that we've had some success in producing white label content for partners. We did a series with uh, YouTube called Artist on the Rise, where Genius's branding appears nowhere, but we created this new video series. It was an attempt, it was in support of, excuse me, their uh, YouTube music platform to um, sort of identify young artists that they really were uh, fond of, do a sort of a, a long form video uh, platform about uh, a series about them and then use that as promotion and uh, activation within their their new music streaming pl- uh, platform. That sort of, I think, was a light bulb for us that we can go out and really create high quality, long form content for advertisers and for brands and for ourselves and be successful with it. And so I guess a couple of months ago, we hired uh, a gentleman named uh, Joshua Asen out of uh, Discovery, who is, he's focused on trying to um, develop those pathways into premium content for us. So in film or TV on the streaming platforms. And while I have nothing ready to share just yet, we're hoping to be sharing some, some good positive news in the next couple of weeks and months on how we're expanding down that road. So that's depending on which path we go, that may not be the brand partnership angle, but it is just sort of speaks to the growing enthusiasm and recognition of the content that we're able to produce on a, on, on a grand scale. And the, the other way that we're expanding is probably on the experiential side. We've actually done 12 branded experiential concerts or shows this year. 
And our goal is to try and double that number for 2020. We have found that we can, because of our position with, with the artist community, we have a, um, our phone calls get taken. Those conversations want to be had. Brands, uh, artists want to figure out a way to work with us because they see value beyond just, hey, I'm going to get paid to do a show. They see value in the promotional and the connections they can make with our brand. And now brands are starting to recognize us as somebody that, hey, if we want to do something so fun and intimate and cool and that's going to move the needle with the with the younger consumer, Genius is the place that they want to do that. And then I would say there are two other areas that I'm putting my own focus on is, is how do we begin to get Genius's content as in many places as possible? So we just recently launched on Snap. We are working to broaden our partnership with Twitter. We are exploring some partnerships with some of these up-and-coming AVOD platforms like the Zumos, the Philos, the, the Pluto TVs of the world. And then the last piece of that, oh, and I almost forgot to mention TikTok. We are working really closely with them. We're one of their top subscriber bases. I think we have over 2 million, maybe 2.2 million subscribers to our content. And uh, we're just in the beginnings of figuring out how do we use them as an advertising platform. All of that said, all of those platforms that I just mentioned, they're all being powered by our, our data. We're identifying the artists that we put into market, or the artists that we put out onto those platforms, or the artists that we take from those platforms and bring them into our studio. We're all based in the data numbers that we see. And we're figuring out ways to take that, that platform that we call Music IQ and turn it into a consumer and a brand-facing platform that will allow brands to come in and do their own analysis on what their company's brand messaging is in the music space right now. How are they being perceived? We can actually go in into the data set and find the number of mentions in lyrics of a particular brand and then use the annotations provided by the fans to understand the semantics of how that brand is being positioned in the marketplace. So it's one thing to be mentioned a hundred times in lyrics. What's really more important is like, are am I being perceived positively or negatively within the community? And then ultimately, what do I learn from that? And how do I you know, either take advantage of that positivity or change the narrative around negativity? That's fascinating. <laughs> you got a lot in the works. I'm almost like you're building a full-fledged media company in one standpoint, and then a full service brand partnership studio in another. Like I said, a couple of extra gray hairs on the head, a couple of extra gray hairs. I love it. Well, um, I, I do like to get to to know the person behind the microphone, so to speak. So I love asking this question. It's a little switching gears here on you. But is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Wow. And I don't know why this just popped in my head. And the last thing I wanted to sound is, is arrogant. But when I was a, a younger a man and just out of college, I actually did a sort of a mission trip or a volunteer trip to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And having worked in a third world country and, and seeing the conditions that exist for so many people outside of the United States sort of put a lot of things in perspective for me and has sort of stayed with me. This is now 25 years later, maybe less. And it's still something that I think about a lot and that has um, affected the way I view the world, the way that I try to think of myself in that world. And then now that as a father, how I'm trying to raise my children in that world. Those can be powerful experiences for sure. For sure. Thanks for sharing. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over again? <laughs> I would probably say it's okay not to have it all figured out. I can remember being as a young man, being uh, thinking I needed to be, um, I wasn't satisfied with the position I was in and always looking to move on and become more successful and find that next path. And I think that's helped me in my career, but I think in some ways it was, there were moments that of success and joy that I didn't embrace. And I look back in those times and wish I had taken the time to 
sort of enjoy those moments and pat myself on the back and, and acknowledge the success and then use that as a springboard, not say like, okay, that was great. Now what's next? But that is, um, I think, the benefit of, uh, of growing a little bit older and, and getting a, a better understanding of the way things are. It's all those gray hairs we both have. <laughs> exactly i wish you could somehow get those earlier in life and make getting them later in life less less impactful isn't it right yeah it's it's the lessons you learn later on in life that you wish you had when you were in your 20s stepping back curious if there's brands or companies or even causes that you follow or you think others should be taking notice of? Yeah. There's always one brand that has fascinated me with just the speed and the power that they've been able to to sort of grab hold of a market share. And they've done it now for 20 years. It's Red Bull. The way that they combine marketing and content and sort of cultural identity really is truly, I've always admired the way that they were able to go about executing that. And part of me would love to be able to do still a lot of those ideas and concepts for, for genius. I think we have the ability at Genius to become that cultural identity marker, but also a conduit of branding and, and advertising, but done in a way that, that feels organic and, and, and natural and, and legitimate to the, to the fans and community that we have. Yeah, no, I've also been fascinated by Red Bull and um, recently met one of their technology leads and didn't realize all the businesses that they're in. I mean, I I knew they were, it's fascinating. I mean, they're a media play, a content play. They obviously make energy drinks, but I feel like that's such a fraction of what they do now that like most people would just be, if you look at in totality, just amazed by what they're doing. They've just been incredible the way that they were able to uh, grab hold of extreme sports, right? And and make that their own. And now they're they're into Formula One and they own, I think, three or four soccer teams and they're putting on, on music concerts. And yes, as you said, and at the same time, they're selling energy drinks at a massive scale around the world. It's just, it's just incredible that the way they they went about identifying and developing their brand. Yeah, it feels it feels a lot like the um, today's version of what Virgin was. I think when we were probably younger. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a great example. Yeah, that's another grand brand that took advantage of the cultural markers of their founder and and were able to sort of use that as a as a springboard into it building out that brand. Last question for you: What do you feel is either the biggest opportunity or threat ahead for marketers? I think my answer is the same for both. While we were talking about the data and the ability to make sure that we identify the right customer, one of the things that I miss, and I'm starting to feel like it's coming back in some ways, was the art of advertising. I'm old enough to remember the the way TV dominated our media landscape back in the days and and the way the commercials that we saw as kids and as, as younger folks, they were really pieces of art. And I've always enjoyed that side of the advertising was that, yes, there's data and there's analysis to make sure I'm reading, reaching the right customer. But if I don't have the right kind of message and I'm not delivering it in a way that's going to resonate with the consumer, what's the point of all of that data? And I feel for the last couple of years, we've dived down this data rabbit hole of, of finding more, getting more, learning more, but it's almost become paralysis by analysis. And what's gotten lost and in, in what we need as an industry to figure out on the digital side is how do we bring back art? to the creative, to the messaging, to ultimately how we're communicating with the, the consumer. And so I, th- I see it as a, as a risk, but I also see it as a great opportunity for those brands and, and partners who figure out how to do it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I feel like we've lost the plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great way to put it, losing the plot. Yeah, exactly. Well, Rob, it's been, it's been great having you on. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. 
If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 